James Washington has seven, I feel like he should have at least seven more. Shouldn't he be playing? Like Jacob, our on-site producer, said, look at number, look at the guy who has 12. Jericho Cotri has 12 touchdowns from Ben Roethlisberger. He plays one more year. He's in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. All right, 4 o'clock hour from the Rivers Casino. All right, uh, Art Rudy II, if you're just tuning in, we had lots of reaction already in the 3 o'clock hour. Maybe you didn't get a chance to dive into the conversation before we switched up to hockey. I'd like to do so here. But Art Rudy II uh, made a declaration earlier today. A couple things, actually, he said that I think were newsworthy. Oh, all right, let me, let me cut off my own tongue here. I, he did exactly what I thought he would do. He said stuff without saying too much. He said things in exactly the manner that I thought he would, which is every door is open for a quarterback. We'll look at all avenues for a quarterback. I think Tomlin used the phrase, no stone unturned. Same messaging there from Art Rooney II as was the case for Mike Tomlin. He also said that they're not looking at themselves in a rebuilding mode and every year is going to be about competing for the Super Bowl. I don't buy that. I don't buy that if the first thing that he said ends up with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins still at quarterback. Because if you're telling me that you're never looking at any individual season as a rebuild, and the exact quote via Mark Caballi's Twitter account, Rooney reiterated that there is no thought of rebuilding. It will always be a Super Bowl mentality every year. I don't think if you go into game one with Haskins or Rudolph as your quarterback, it's a Super Bowl mentality. Because I think if you thought that, then you wouldn't have brought back Ben in the first place. Or at the very least, at some point in the season, you would have looked to see if one of those two guys was better than the guy who was, what, 29th in the NFL in quarterback rating. 412-333-9939. Or at some point, you can also just admit, well, this is a goodbye tour for Ben, and we weren't ready to say goodbye last year. I think we all kind of got the vibe that's going on. They didn't feel like they were risking anything because they gave Mason the extra year. But if they're better, if they're Super Bowl worthy, and you think you're contending next year, maybe they would have gotten you an extra win or two this year and you wouldn't have had to play the Chiefs in the first round. You wouldn't have needed Jacksonville to pull off a miracle to get you into the playoffs. Maybe you win the division. But we'll never know that now, will we? So... That's my take on what Art Rooney II had to say. I just want to know what you believe. Do you believe the owner when he says they're actually thinking Super Bowl this year, or are they rebuilding? And the funny thing to me is, if he were to say, you know what, we're rebuilding, I don't think that would be rejected by a lot of people in the fan base. Again, 412-333-9939. And I get that vibe because anytime I bring up Aaron Rodgers as an option, or Russell Wilson as an option, or Derek Carr as an option, I get my head bitten off. We don't want those guys. You don't want those guys. They're going to cost too much. Too much against the cap. You're going to have to give up picks. Picks, picks, picks. You can't give up picks for a quarterback. Well, they've all been to the Pro Bowl. Rodgers is going to the Hall of Fame. Rodgers is going to be the MVP. Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl. Derek Carr beats the hell out of you every time he plays against the Steelers. Got, got that team to the playoffs and a better seed than what Pittsburgh was. And I don't think Oakland, excuse me, Vegas is all that good. So if you think you are still contending, then go out and get a quarterback when you have cap space for a rare time and when you've got picks to trade 
and when you've got some room to maneuver to get the quarterback in and maybe some support along the offensive line. Do that. But if you don't think that it's worth getting a quarterback, and this is sort of the other half of that conversation, if you're telling me that it's not even worth asking the Packers, what's the price for Rodgers, the Seahawks, what's the price for Wilson, the Niners, what's the price for Jimmy G, the Raiders for Carr, if you're not even worth, in your mind, this roster is so bad that it's not worth asking, can I improve a quarterback to replace a Hall of Famer, then you're telling me you're rebuilding anyway. And to me, then, I would welcome the notion of that approach instead of being half in and half out. Because if you're not going to go for a quarterback to make a playoff team better, and you're not admitting that you're rebuilding, then what are you doing? You're just operating in the middle and hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, and maybe we can create 1989 all over again? Gee, I hope this time Mark Stock doesn't drop the pass. Kevin Colbert stepping down. That was reiterated today. Art Rooney II said so. Um, He also confirmed that they will keep the structure in place for the general manager, that they're not going to go out and change titles and change operating systems, that the next guy who's the general manager will operate in the same way that Kevin Colbert did. So, like, to me, that was dispensing with the notion of Omar Khan's going to run the business angle and Brandon Hunt is going to run the personnel angle. Or they're going to have somebody else who's an overseer of the two of them. Like, it didn't sound to me like Rooney was willing to go down that path. So that was, that was actually kind of newsworthy today. But Colbert has been with the Steelers since 2000 when he was hired as the director of football operations. You're changing the quarterback. You're changing the GM. If you're not rebuilding, then what are you doing? And if people are so, so prickly about the notion of bringing in a quarterback from another team, then why not, if if you're willing to embrace that idea of one year with one of these two backups, then it sure sounds to me like the fan base is embracing the idea of a rebuild. You know, you're embracing the pirate mentality of, ooh, we don't deserve to spend to get a quarterback. That's that's the distasteful part to me of this whole conversation, is that there are Steeler fans out there who are acting like they're taking a pirate mentality and giving it to the Steelers. Oh, well, we can't afford a quarterback. Anytime you hear the topic of Rodgers brought up, it's why would he want to come here? I don't know. Why would he want to stay in Green Bay? I mean, like, think about the actual talent for talent exchange between the two teams is his line better yeah was it great without Bakhtiari this year no it wasn't did he make the offensive line really good yeah he did would he make this Steeler offensive line better than what Roethlisberger could because Roethlisberger couldn't move and Rodgers can yes he would why would he want to come here though who are we again are we talking about the Pirates are we talking about the Steelers like why doesn't Pittsburgh deserve a quarterback you know it's like we look at Roethlisberger as such a gift, and we should, and we looked at Bradshaw as a gift, and we should, and we're like, oh, well, we were bestowed these two quarterbacking gifts from the heavens, but who we really are as a city is what we deserve is 1983 to 2003. That, that's, a, as a people, this is who we deserve as our quarterback. No. You got T.J. Watt. You got Micah Fitzpatrick. 
You got Najee Harris. You got Pat Fryermuth. They're not perfect. They're far from perfect. They're about a nine-win team. Get a Pro Bowl quarterback, maybe they're an 11-win team. I just, I, I hate this notion of we don't deserve better at quarterback than just, well, it's just like last time. You know, when Terry left, we had to go through those 25 years before we got another one. So, hey, Mason Rudolph is our David Woodley. Mason Rudolph is, you know, my daddy had to deal with Mark Malone and Cliff Stout, so I guess I got to do it, and then my son will get Ben the second. No, it doesn't have to be that way. Let's go to Dale. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, how you doing? Good, Dale. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack here, but, uh, I mean, first first off, I mean, what the Steelers should do is, I mean, I don't know if they're going to openly just acknowledge that there is a full rebuild, but, yeah, that's what, exactly what they should do. They should build build the foundation, you know, build the offensive line, build the trenches. You know, we have we have Harris. You have a staple running back. We have some of these other weapons. Get back to Steelers football. We don't have a quarterback, but we don't need to reach and go get one. Don't, you know, we're not going to mortgage. Okay, now, and that's the key, what? and that's the key, and that's where I agree with Steelers fans. You don't have to reach. If the Broncos are stupid, you don't have to be stupider for Aaron Rodgers. If the Giants are dumb for Russell Wilson, you don't have to be dumber. If, if I don't know, Washington is going to give up the farm to move up even higher to Kenny Pickett, you don't have to match them and go one step in front. That I 100% agree with. But yeah. this might be a situation, Dale, where – the asking prices aren't so bad. Maybe the market, maybe it's like wide receivers. We, we all thought Juju was going to get a billion dollars last year. He didn't get anything. Like maybe the market isn't as um, hot to get these guys to switch teams, and maybe you are in the building. That's, that's why they have to at least see if they're able to bid with some of these other teams. And if you're not, you're not. But don't reach, but, but don't be silent either. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think we need to solve the quarterback this year. I mean, I don't think Mason, you know, Mason Rudolph, I feel like, had his opportunity with the Lions. We saw what happened. But I don't think you need to go fix that this year. I think you need to build the team and get a quarterback in the next two to three years. And, then, you know, in, in the meantime, you see, you can truly see what, what Mason uh, and, I guess, Hoskins can truly do on the field. But, yeah, I apologize. I lost you a little bit there. But I, I generally agree with most of what you're saying. So um, let's go to Eric next. Eric, you're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, I just I don't understand who Mr. Rooney is trying to fool. Uh, I think everybody in Pittsburgh knows that we're in an obvious rebuilding mode, and I don't know if he's just trying to, to sell fool to everybody or what. But uh, I did have a question. Okay, well, well let's, let's, let's hold on, hold on. Let's let's let's, let's sort of put the air brakes on for a second. Okay, let's forget about rebuild. Forget I ever said that word. Forget rebuild. You know that that topic of conversation. That part of it never came up. The Super Bowl thing, like that's where I think there's some genuine either trying to fool himself or fool us because I don't think you can look at what you saw this year and say we're going to put in the backups for the guy who was playing quarterback this year that we didn't think was better, either of them were better than him, and that was the weakest part of the team. The weakest part of the team was that the offense couldn't function with the quarterback that was there and the offensive line that was playing in front of them, and a lot of the same faults, the, the shortcomings that exist with the backups, existed with the previous starter. So, like, I have a hard time being convinced if that was the biggest roadblock to make Matt Canada's offense into what it is, and you're keeping Canada, how then are these two guys going to make you Super Bowl worthy? 
So forget about the rebuild aspect. Let's just focus on that part of the statement because, to me, that's where I have the most fault with the statement. I, I think where you're going is right. Why, why admit to the fans that you're rebuilding, right? Especially when TV ratings are down. Especially when attendance is down. Why, why admit that you're rebuilding? But you don't have to tell us that they're on the cusp of a Super Bowl because we all know they're not. Exactly. Yep. 412-333-9939. You can also tweet me, at Tim Benz, PGH. It's a fair point. It's it's a fair point because if you say you're rebuilding, then you say for how long, and then what does T.J. Watt think about that, and do you keep Mika Fitzpatrick then? But I, I just I, I think there's a difference. There's there's a chasm between we are rebuilding and we still think we're Super Bowl worthy, because if you're Super Bowl worthy, what then needs to be done to get Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins to be a Super Bowl quarterback? <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot more bricks that need to go into place there. You know, I, I, I don't know how much you can actually, especially with Mason only have one more year left on his deal, can you really fix both lines in one season so that the offense is in more advantageous positions and they're not playing catch-up all the time because the defensive line is so bad and that the offensive line has been built up too to the point that he has proper protection and a run game that can be balanced so he doesn't have to win it all the time like Roethlisberger had to do. All right, when we come back, a little bit more on the Steelers. Something else that Rooney had to say today that I think was of importance. We'll focus on that. We'll also, a little bit later on in this hour, talk about the AFC and NFC Championship games. We are at the Rivers Casino. We'll have some gambling advice for you. Mr. Friday Afternoon is going to be here. And Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for the Athletic, is going to tell us if the Bengals can pull off the upset against the Chiefs. This is 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? DX at 105.9. Sort of a weird push and pull with some of the things that Art Rooney II had to say. Talked a lot about the quarterback topic of conversation and the overarching, are they rebuilding, are they really a Super Bowl contender? tie-ins that have been brought up with some of Rooney's comments but here's something that Kabali tweeted out that I think is worth noting um, according to what Kabali says Rooney claims that Mike Tomlin calling the defensive plays is up to him and his staff said Tomlin interjects calls when he needs to and I think there's a legitimate concern like I, I you know I'll disagree with fans all the time on stuff but I'm not gonna dismiss out of hand every suggestion or complaint that fans have when I think there's a valid one and I do think it's a valid complaint that if you're gonna change the defensive coordinator are you really gonna get a defensive coordinator who has that big of a voice or is really angling to change the defense if he's gonna come in and Mike Tomlin's gonna do all the work on defense anyway and call the game on game day Are you really going to get somebody good to replace Keith Butler that can interject new ideas if it's all going to come down to what Tomlin has been doing, according to what Butler said, going all the way back to the latter days of the Dick LeBeau administration on defense? So Rooney is saying that he's going to grant Tomlin that latitude still to interject whenever he wants. 
And then you got the GM thing. And I'm trying to figure this out exactly. Because according to a couple tweets from the beat writers who were there, Rooney said that he doesn't want to change the infrastructure, the dynamics of how the GM is going to operate. Uh, again, according to Kabali, Rooney said, um, oh, let me get that actual tweet. No issues at all with uh, Kevin Colbert being the GM when looking for a new general manager. This is what Kabali said. If you think there is, then you've never talked to Kevin Colbert before. Two in-house candidates. General manager Kevin Colbert is not going to throw a wrench into who he has been grooming. And that's fine. I'm not worried about Colbert staying on through the draft. Where I don't quite understand is how the new general manager is going to take on the exact same role if Kevin does stay beyond. Like, he didn't rule out, Rooney didn't rule out, you know, Kevin sort of staying on in some other sort of capacity. Well, I wonder what that capacity is and how much influence he will still have, again, if a new GM, somebody they might be looking at from outside the organization, if they were to come in and say, well, why would I want this job if Kevin is still going to kind of be overlooking my shoulder? Like, it's one thing if that's Omar Khan. It's one thing if it's Brandon Hunt and he's still on as an advisor. But if it's a new guy coming in, I would hope that Kevin would only be there in that capacity kind of in title only. Um, you know, or, and maybe just for a year to sort of administratively help the wheels run properly uh, in the changeover between him and the new GM because th- there's a little bit of a disconnect between we don't want to bring a, a new role to what the general manager is. In other words, we don't want to split it up between Omar and Hunt, but we might have Kevin stay on somehow in another capacity, yet we're looking outside the organization. Like, there's a disconnect to me there what the strategy is. I mean, that almost says to me somebody has to blow our doors off from outside the organization, and if they do, we'll reconsider what Kevin's role after GM is. Uh, I am almost hear that and think just in case we do hire Hunt or Omar Khan, we're going to have Kevin around just for an extra year to make sure everything's cool. So don't be surprised if that's the case. That sounds like it's laying the foundation to me. All right, let's um, go out to Aaron. Aaron, you're on 105.9 The X. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Good. Uh, so I'm really confused as why we don't have any traction on hearing about Derek Carr. I think through the draft, if you shore up the trenches and you can get Derek Carr because he wants out of Vegas because of all the things that went on there, I think you can instantly become a contender again and you could restructure his contract. I don't think he's going to get top-tier quarterback money, but he'll get more money than what he has now. But I don't hear anybody talking about it. And to be fair, Vegas has that 7-to-1 odds. Uh, Vegas has the Steelers at 7-to-1 odds to get Carr? Like, I mean, no, they're, the they're, they're Carr, sort of up there on every single list. You know, like they're, they're, they have, they're sort of like the second or third team on every list. No, they have Carr as the Steelers starter at 7-to-1. You could bet that in Vegas. Oh, yeah. No, okay. All right. So he's behind who then? Rudolph, Haskins, and, and Rodgers? I think I saw that, right? I, th- I think just Rudolph. I didn't just see Rodgers or Haskins ahead of him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that I, I wouldn't be shocked at that. Yeah, I know he's up there. Um, I think it's worth talking about. I think it makes sense because he throws too many picks. Sure he does. He threw 13 interceptions. Well, you know, Herbert and Allen both threw more. I'd like to have those guys. 
He was fifth in the league in completion percentage. He was fifth in the league in yards. I don't think he had a ton to work with, especially after Ruggs was lost for the year because of the DUI thing. Um, Waller was out for a large chunk of the year. I think Carter's an, a car is an above-average quarterback. And if you get him for a year and you don't want to redo the deal and you have that option to see how it works, well, then you pay quarterback money for him after this year. At some point, you're going to have to pay quarterback money again to somebody, or you're going to have to get a number one. Like, if you want to keep Mason Rudolph as a starter after this year, if he's pretty good, if he gets you what he you think that he's going to get, and that's the team to the playoffs, and I'm saying you in the Art Rooney sense, then you're going to have to pay for him next year. <laughs> Even though he's not that great, you're going to have to pay. I don't know. I feel a little bit more secure about paying Derek Carr at this point. Jay Morrison up next. We'll talk about the AFC Championship game. We're here at the Rivers Casino. We'll get our picks before the top of the hour. We'll break down whether or not the Bengals have a chance to cover that seven-point spread or win outright. Jay gives us some insight next here on 105.9 The X. Virginius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. Four o'clock hour of the Mark Madden Show. Tim Ben's in for Mark at the Rivers Casino. Glad you're with us. Talking AFC and NFC Championship games right now. We'll have some gambling advice for you a little bit later on. Mr. Friday afternoon, just around the corner. I've got some ideas as well, and maybe to change my mind before I make my selections, it's Jay Morrison who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic. He joined us at the start of the season where... I believe Jay told us the Bengals were going to be improved, maybe more improved than we thought here in Pittsburgh. Jay, did you think they'd be this improved to the point that they would win the North in two playoff games? <laughs> no, I did not. I'm still not sure I believe it right now. Every time I write AFC Championship game in a story, I just <laughs> shake my head. It's like, is this real? It just, it's, it's, you saw it coming together. Um, but even you know, even when they clinched the division, it was you, you thought it'd be great if they could win a playoff game and kind of get that monkey off their back. And then next year was going to be the year. And it's just, it's it's really been an incredible ride. You know, in the middle part of the season, three quarter mark of the season, maybe I looked at the Bengals. I had seen them beat Pittsburgh, and and I thought, boy, they've got the roster, they've got the talent makeup but they still bangle it up sometimes. They still have these losses that they just shouldn't have after nice wins. You know, when the Jets loss came to mind, you know, they'd play the, the Browns and it looked like it was going to be a tight game and then they just don't play well at all and end up losing big. Like, when did it turn around sort of mentally for this team? When did they become a team that's just good and maybe arrived a little earlier than people expected? How'd they get over those mental hurdles at the end of the year? Uh, I don't know if it was so much mental. It was... The, the the Jets loss was a bad loss, um, but if you remember, it was Mike White making his NFL debut, and it was just this total wild card where you don't really know what to to make. and And they led that game. It's not like they came out just totally flat in that game. They led that game by double digits in the fourth quarter, and a, a really unfortunate interception by Burrow kind of swung that game in in the middle of that fourth quarter. I think where this thing really turned. And it was more a, philosoph- a philosophical shift um, from Zach Taylor and, and Brian Callahan, the offense coordinator, was that loss to San Francisco. They were getting run out of the stadium, not run out of the stadium, but they were getting whipped pretty good by the 49ers, 20 to six. 
and, and Joe Burrow has this incredible comeback in the fourth quarter, and, and they tie the game up. Uh, they get the ball first in overtime. They go down. They're, they're right on the edge of the, the red zone, and and Zach takes the ball out of Burrow's hands and runs Mixon a couple plays. They go nowhere. Burrow gets sacked on third down, and they have to kick a field goal. The 49ers go down, score a touchdown, win the game, and, and Zach said he admitted, and he's been very candid about this kind of stuff. He he lost sleep that night, and that was the that was when he realized you don't take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand. You you ride the hot hand. They're going to go as far as Joe Burrow takes them, and they that's really what they've done since then. And he has been on an all time heater since then. I mean, the only interception he's thrown since the the Chargers game back of the first weekend of December was the one that went off his receiver's hand last Saturday in Tennessee, and. and hit the uh, Titans defender's hand and the grass at the exact same yeah, time. The yeah. officials let it stand. He's just, he's been remarkable. Um, and, and you see, he's still getting sacked. He's still taking hits and he just pulls himself up off the ground and, and completes the next pass after it. You, the four of those five scoring drives in Tennessee, he was sacked on it, just because he gets sacked. It doesn't derail drives. He finds a way to fight back. And, and this, that's really what has kind of fueled this run is them just turning the entire offense over to him. And, and not scrapping the run game, but kind of making it a secondary piece. The taking sacks part, especially the last game, how much of that was on Burrow? How much of it was on poor pass protection? Uh, a little of both, and then you can throw in some crap noise too. There were some some missed assignments. Um, you know, that, that is an issue. The offensive line is not great. I, I think anybody that's watched the team knows that. Um, but it wasn't all guys getting whipped one-on-one. It was it was guys passing a, 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 a rusher off to nobody or they thought someone else was picking him up. Um, a couple of them were on Burrow. He took two really bad ones. One knocked him out of field goal range. The other one probably should have. And Evan McPherson saved him with a 54-yard field goal. Um, so it was it was a little bit of, of everything in that game. Um, I, it's just one of those things where you're – it's. You know, Paul Daner, who, who covers the Bengals with me for the athletic, had a story, and it was Brian Callahan said it's kind of the cost of doing business. That's the offense they're going to run. Um, Joe Burrow embraces contact. He, he's not afraid of it. He wants to be blitzed. If he knows where the free runner's coming from, he's he's fine with that. It's He feels like he can make that guy miss, slide in the pocket, and they've been so good, so dynamic at, at hitting big plays off script when he slides in the pocket that – you're, you're just going to have to live with some of those sacks. And I think everybody just holds their breath that one of those sacks doesn't come with, with something that doesn't let Joe Burrow get back up. Jay Morrison is with us. He covers the Bengals for the athletic here on the Mark Madden show. Tim Ben's in for Mark today at the Rivers Casino. Jay, when I looked at the Bengals coming into the postseason, they are at where I thought they would be. I mean, I thought they'd beat the Raiders. I had them beating Tennessee. I'm surprised they won the division in the regular season. I'm not surprised that this team, as it was constructed in the, constructed in the way it was playing going into the playoffs, got here to the AFC Championship game. I think the Chiefs win on Sunday. The spread is seven. I think that's about right, too, but I'm not going to be shocked if the Bengals cover. I think this is going to be very much a one-score game and close late. What's the tone in Cincinnati? I mean, do fans kind of feel like, hey, this has been a real nice ride, but it's Mahomes, the Chiefs, and Arrowhead, and this is where it stops? Or, you know, because they won a high-scoring shootout with Kansas City just a few weeks ago, are people thinking it can go one step further all the way to the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, the, the fans do not see this. They, they realize how good Kansas City is, but they, they they feel like the Bengals are going to Super Bowl, that that, that they are going to rename Arrowhead Burrowhead on Monday. And it's just <laughs> it's, it's it's illogical. But I mean, when you are a fan base that that hasn't won a playoff game in 31 years and this moment comes along, you you don't you don't kind of wonder, oh, no, what happens if we lose? They, they are they are all in. And it's it's really been remarkable to see being in Tennessee last weekend. It was a a Bengal takeover on Broadway. I've never seen that many Bengal fans. And Bengal fans do travel pretty well. They are nowhere near the class of Steeler fans, believe me. But you do see a lot of Bengal fans on the road. And it was unreal last week. I mean, it's they have they have just really rekindled the, the love affair between this city and this team. And it, it had been broken for a long time. So, Jay, tell me a little bit about what you thought was real and maybe things that were just one-offs from the first Chiefs-Bengals game. I mean, were there things that the Bengals did well, did right, that are applicable again against the Chiefs? Or do you see the Chiefs making a lot of adjustments that will keep that score down or allow them to outscore Cincinnati this time? Yeah, I don't. we're not going to see Jamar Chase go for 266 yards and three touchdowns again. Steve Spagnuolo is not – I think he learned from that. He, he, he likes to blitz. Burrow loves to be blitzed. Um, I, I think – they, they, even though they've got some pieces back in the secondary, I, I think they're going to put a lot more attention on, on Chase and force Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins to beat them. Um, but the one thing I do think that, that could come into play here is that the Bengals' defense, people, if they didn't see that game, they held the Chiefs to three points in the second half, which was pretty remarkable. That's how they came back in that game. They were down by 14 three different times. Um, they did it by selling out and, and to contain – Kelsey and Tyree kill those two combined at 65 yards. I think the Bengals would be happy if, if they had 65 each in this game, but they, they basically said you run the ball all you want. The chiefs had 150 some yards rushing in that game. They really just kind of sacrificed the run game and sold out to, to keep Hill and Kelsey in front of them. And I, I think that's going to be the plan again. And you, you always worry about that because Clyde Edwards Hilaire did not play in that first game. He gives them a little more explosive, explosiveness in the run game and then you've got byron pringle and Nicole hardman those guys pringle had a 53 yard catch in that first game if, if you're selling out on hill and kelsey one of those other guys can burn you at, at all times but it, it does it just it, it feels like this is going to be one of those shootouts where both teams are in the 30s i'll paint a scenario here jay it's uh 6 30 at night the bengals have upset the kansas city chiefs they're going to the super bowl the fans are celebrating they hug they kiss, they pop champagne, there's beer flowing everywhere. They take the time now to put the television on Fox and watch the NFC Championship game. Do they want San Francisco a third time, or do they want the Rams? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of a lot of older fans that probably don't want to see the 49ers, but there's probably <laughs> older fans that, that want that redemption, that, that the whole third time's a charm type of thing. I think there's a little bit of a mystery with the Rams. Um, just... Just, I mean, the Bengals played them two years ago in Zach's first year. He was, he's a, a, a Sean McVay disciple. That was a really interesting game in London. But the fact that they, they came back on the 49ers and played them in overtime and really had a great chance to win that game, I think, I think most Bengal fans would want another shot at the 49ers. Wrapping up with this, Jay, this isn't going anywhere for a while, is it, with Cincinnati? I mean, don't they have something like one of the best cap positions in the league next year, too? And I, I like the way the core of the nucleus is, is built. Um, they're built for the long haul, aren't they? 
Yeah, and most cap space of any team in the playoffs. One of the one of the highest cap or one of the most cap space of any team in the league. Period. Um, not a lot of holes. Is this? You say it all the time um, that they're they're built for this run, but you, you just never know. You, I mean, look at Dan Marino. Got to the Super Bowl second season, never got back. But but it it does feel like this is an off season. We've been saying this all year. If you just give look what Joe Burrow's doing with this line. Give him a real legitimate line, and you could see this thing really taking off. And I think that's what we're going to see this offseason. They've got all this money to spend. Um, they are going to attack the offensive line and free agency and the draft. And it could it could be a, a very difficult team to deal with for years to come. Well, there's a lot of rebuild the offensive line talk around these parts, too. I bet we're going to see the Bengals and Steelers linked together in a lot of ways in free agency and the draft when it comes to looking at similar players that might go to either team. Jay, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, for folks that cover the Bengals, root for the Bengals, this is such a unique experience. I hope you can take some time to enjoy it and soak it all in while you're banging out your story and doing work. But uh, have fun on Sunday, okay? Yep, I'll sleep in March. Thanks for having me on, Tim. <laughs> yeah, right, Jay Morrison has been our guest here from The Athletic. On the Mark Madden Show, we'll give you our gambling picks next, Mr. Friday Afternoon here on The X. Super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing, Mr. Madden? Big fan. Super genius. I love the show. What he likes ain't legal nowhere but Medellin. The X at 105.9. Don't be ashamed, little butterflies. Millions of people have felt those butterflies. It's anxiety. That's the Daily Flare. This is our weekly gambling segment brought to you by Bet Rivers, where we are right now. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. Time to welcome Mr. Friday Afternoon, who so far this season has good numbers, 44 and 38. Last week, though, it was hideous. He went 1 and 4. Mr. Friday Afternoon, I take it that means you lost the Daily Double. Yep, I lost the Daily Double. What did you win? Um, well, first of all, that last week was, uh, you know, you could sit there and say I went one and four, but like every game, I could have easily gone five and zero. Oh. Like there was like the the, the win the win chart the the win probability chart on the Buffalo Kansas City game was the craziest in the history of football because it within within inside of two minutes, each team on multiple occasions. Uh, was in a position where they had 99% chance of winning the game. Like, that that's never happened before. So I lost that, but it's like, you know, I, I, I was in like a you – know, I had everybody. Like, whoever, whoever you picked last week, you didn't really make the wrong pick. Even if you lost, because all the games, like, went down to the wire were walk-offs. I don't know a lot so of casinos like, you know, that pay out based on 99% win probability. Do you? No, they, no, they, uh, no, they don't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people could have in-game wagered. Yes, and made you know, yeah. I mean, the in-game wagering could have been, could have you know they could they could have got annihilated on the in-game wagering. And clearly, um, you, you want to change the overtime rule? I expect now, right? I don't. You know what? The XFL had a good idea. I, I like the XFL. Uh, I don't remember format. that. One. What was the XFL's format? Like like hockey shootouts. Each team gets a two-point conversion, and you like shootout format. Well, that's what they do in college. That's that, I, they do that in college after the first three rounds, right? Is that basically what you do? You that I, I, yeah, like a shootout. I, I think I, I I would be all for that. That would be very exciting. Each team gets the ball, equal number of chances, and best of five, you know, do do, do a shoot, or best of three to do a shootout format. So so 
one team makes it, the other team stops. You know? I think they should have done what they did for the kickoff and just have two people run into each other as hard as they could to decide the game. Just have your your most expendable player that you don't need next week try to get the football, and that's what it comes down to. Well, yeah. Well, plus to everybody's all complaining about it, right? Oh, they need to change this stuff, you know, because because you know Josh Allen didn't get the ball. But that's one thing I like about professional football, and that that's different from college. Okay, is that in, in the NFL. Your path to the championship is, is is very strictly defined before the season starts. You win your division, you get a home playoff game. You win the conference, the best record of the conference, you get the bye. Um, you uh, if you get if you're if you're the home team in the playoffs and it's not decided in the first sixty minutes, you get to call the coin toss. So that you know, it's on you. Like like all these things. That you know, we we map out. It's like you know, you go by the book. They they could have lost the coin toss, so they could have called it wrong, you know. But like you have the opportunity because the path is laid out. So I don't really see a problem with the overtime rules because you know people maybe want to change it, but it's not like college football where it's all subjective. Team to lose his conference championship game and still get to play in the in, in for the championship. I, I I know Georgia was the best team, but but come on, it's like you know, in, in what playoff format? Do you like like from peewee level, you know, to high school and everything? Do you lose your conference championship and you keep and you get to extend and keep going in the playoffs? That's, that's ridiculous to me. Now, Mr. Yeah, Friday, so I, I speak, speaking of rules that are stacked against you, how have you and Mark Madden decided we are going to go about the AFC and NFC championship games? I mean, like, do you just I'll, I'll pick what, two I'll games? I'll tell you what to do. I just want to know what to do with the daily double. Well, one of the games is going to be the daily double. Okay. One one's going to be the lock. Okay. okay. And then I'm going to have a since they're over unders. Let, let's just do do an over under on one of these. Okay. Let's do the AFC first. Okay, AFC first. I'm going with Cincinnati plus seven. Cincinnati and this is strictly, right. yeah. I, I, no stats, nothing, everything. I'm just going by the last time they played. Uh, and, and I'm I'm just the, the eye test with Joe Burrow. The guy's a winner. I don't I don't see. You know, they played, they played a month ago, four weeks ago. And, you know, Cincinnati got down like 14 points quick in that game. And then Joe Burrow just came, screw it, just came right back. You know, 70 yards of chase. Well, they, they, they can't stop Jamar Chase. He had 11 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns. If you try to double team him, you got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and you got Joe Mixon coming out of the back. There's just too many weapons for them to, for them to cover for, uh, for, you know, to, for Cincinnati to like get, you know, for, for Kansas to get margin. You know, I, I don't see Kansas City winning this game by 10 to 14 points. I see another close game because that's what happens when these great quarterbacks play each other. We saw last week with Josh Allen and Mahomes. I think Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. I so think is, he's your right over, there. Is, is your over 54 and a half? Yes, I'm going to go over 54 and a half on that too. So Cincinnati is going to be my lock. Okay. Over 54 and a half is going to be the, is going to be the total. So just bet, bet the point. Just, if, if you don't want to bet Cincinnati, just bet the total in that game. Bet it over. Because that, that's going to be a daily double. The line right now that I'm looking at, William Hill, is three and a half. So I'm just going. You know, I, I don't have a very strong opinion on this game, um, but I will make it the daily double. <laughs> No strong opinion, but this is the daily double. Okay. Oh, but uh, we're just going to take. I mean, San Francisco plus three and a half. Okay, this, that's this, what this, I, got. I like the hook. I like the hook. Um, this is uh, 
so there's something very interesting happened here. Okay, for, I don't know why they did this, but the Rams, for some reason, they, they had this rule, even though, like, you know, the other fans are still getting the game, they had a rule that, like, if you weren't in the L.A. area code, yes, like, like on your thing, you couldn't go to the game, right? They, for some reason, they've lifted that restriction. So there is going to be, and it's not that far, you know, there's going to be tons of 49er fans. I mean, there's, there's, this is going to be arguably, I think it was like 55-45 last time. This could be like 60-40 uh, 49er fans, the Ram fans. And I, you know, and if, if you're looking at that, it's like the home field advantage is nullified. Like, like the, the odds makers usually give the team two and a half to three points at a home field advantage. And I just, you know, if you're looking at that, I, I do not see that as, the home, like, as, as, a, as a tangible home field advantage for the other, when the, the stadium's going to be cheering you know, loud when the Rams have the ball to try and disrupt their offense. So it's like, you know, I, I just think it's just, if, if you take it, you know, especially if the if, if Kansas City wins and covers the first game, I, I would, I would, I would, because it is the daily double. I would, I would double down on the Rams because I think these teams are very close and I don't, I would not see both favorites winning and covering both games. So to reiterate, double down on the daily double. If, if we lose uh, on, 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 on the, on the Bengals, because that way you'll have, you, you, you we, we, we could like, you can, you can win. My, you, daily, double, win my daily double is to tease the Chiefs is what? and the Rams. Sorry, Chiefs and the Niners. Right. I'm, cheese, I'm teasing the Chiefs and the Niners to a pick them for the Chiefs and 10.5 for the Niners. It's 100 to win 74. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. There's a bunch of ways to play this game. Because, like I'm saying, I, I think every teaser, every side of each teaser could also hit in this. You know what? Like, because, like, I mean, even the, the over and the under and on both games and, and each team cover, I mean, like, you know, they're very, these teams are very close. So when you have good quarterbacks, you know, there's usually points, and they usually keep the game close. And Jimmy G is like, everybody's saying that that Sean Mc, that uh, that Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy G. He's like, he's like 36 and 15 as a starter. I mean, yeah, that counts for something, you know. I mean, like he he's not bad. He's just like he's just not Brady. You know, so like he, he came from New England. He's Brady's back when they go, you know. But you guys been to a Super Bowl. They played the 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 one thing I'm, I I think is a positive that a lot of people are calling it a negative is that this is their seventh road game and out of their last nine games. But they're, this happens every year. I think, I believe one year the Steelers went to the Super Bowl, and I think they went on the road every game to get in they there. Did. Am the I correct on that? that? Okay, okay. Yes. So you get, yeah, so it's like you're comfortable playing on the road. You know, it's like there's not a, there's not a situation where they're, they're, they haven't been in. You know, it's like when you have that many games on the road, it's like, okay, I'm, it's like it's almost different going home because now your team is like, there's there's anguish in the stadium and stuff like people are getting nervous when you're down. But when you're on the road, it's like you know you just feed off that off that energy of the crowd cheering against you, what they've been doing for the past like nine weeks, you know, seven on nine weeks. So yeah, I like I like San Francisco. You I actually it? like that a lot now. I've, I've talked myself into liking that a lot now, and and um, I feel really happy that this is the daily double. You heard it from Mr. Friday afternoon. Double down on the daily double. This is 105.9 The X.